Hey, Derek here. Before we begin today's episode, the Irish for an advertisement is foie gras. Not to be confused with foie gras, a way of serving liver. Meet Your Maker is a podcast about the people who make the things we love, hosted by me, Liam Garrity. In season one, we met composers, anime voice actors, writers on Sesame Street, uh, a geeky priest who restores harmoniums in Cavan. It was nuts. In season two, we are upping the ante. I leapt up from the chair, my hair was dripping dye, and I said, I have to make a phone call. I used to write letters to, you know, say comedians like Janine Groffalo, and they'd write back really nice letters, like saying, like, you're so mature for a 15-year-old. And in my head, I kind of be like, yeah, like, I could be friends with Janine Groffalo. One of his friends, this older guy, he shakes my hand, and I get up to shake his hand, and then he grabs my hand and pulls me in super close. In my ear, he's like, if you give him any drugs, I'll f- If you want to know what that's all about, Meet Your Maker is out now, wherever you get your podcasts, or see meetyourmaker.ie. That's meetyourmaker.ie. of studios in Dublin. Welcome to Motherfuck Lore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Derek O'Shea. I'm Imre Duffy. I'm Patrick Ivonik. And I'm Geraldine McAvoy. Here at Motherfuck Lore, we are always delighted to hear from our listeners, all of whom are sophisticated and a little bit righty. We get great feedback on the show and how it's been going, and certainly we're delighted to hear things and we're always trying to find new ways to improve. And that's why you can email us at motherfucklore at headstuff.org with your suggestions, tips, or even just flatter us. Tell us how wonderful we are. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are great. Yeah, we are, aren't yeah, we? We're pretty, we're pretty super. And we're the best looking podcast in Ireland. I have confirmed that we mm-hmm. are the best looking podcasters in the country. Yeah, you can take I'm, our word for it. Yeah, like, I think yeah, I might yeah. tweet a selfie while we're, uh, while we're recording this. And while we've established that we are the best looking podcast, you know, there's always room for improvement. There's always something else. So we're always open to hearing what people think. In that note, today's episode is going to be a mailback episode. And we are going to read out some of the correspondence which we have received from our beloved listeners. Garajin, you have a, a letter there on your desk. Yeah, we have a, a letter from a listener who is possibly living abroad. Um, not sure if they live permanently abroad, but anyway, um, uh, we have changed some names. Um, so for privacy reasons, to protect um, the innocent, to protect the innocent, those of us less righty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we've changed some names, but um, we do appreciate your correspondence. So the first um, mail from the mailbag that we're going to read today is from uh, Oliver. So Oliver says, while in Ireland this past week, someone recommended your podcast. Thank you very much to whoever recommended. I listened to episode 10 on the flight back to Boston. Um, Enjoyed it. Plan to listen to more. Um, Oliver has one minor quibble. Why not mention Patrick Heaney? This was in reference to our uh, our Ron Levine, our National Anthem episode. Um, I understand you were focused on the text, but the music writer deserves a mention. A few years ago, I just happened to see a plaque on Patrick Heaney um, somewhere in Dublin. He had a short and possibly sad life. Since then, I've been a minor crank about Patrick Kearney typically receiving all the credit. Patrick Kearney deserves credit, but also Patrick Heaney deserves credit and he deserves at least a mention. As said, enjoyed the show. Well done and so on. So that's from Oliver who emailed the show. Um, yeah, I think we'd all probably agree with uh, with, with Oliver here. Uh, Absolutely. I think part of that is is that like... Irish law, when it comes to songwriting, credits the person who wrote the lyrics far more than it does the person who wrote the music. Mm-hmm. And it's the person who wrote the lyrics to a song who earns the royalty checks and, and mm-hmm. the likes. So, yeah, that kind of, that that cultural bias in favour of the lyricist, the poet, the the guy who wrote the words, uh, even though they were Osberla the first mm-hmm. time round, uh, Patrick Kearney, that's affected us all. And poor Patrick Heaney, we, we did him a disservice, I think. I think yeah. so, particularly because it's a bang tune. I won't lie, I didn't know either of the names until right now. <laughs> you obviously <laughs> didn't listen to the episode, Emer. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I I think probably one of the issues was like mm. none of us on that particular episode were particularly musical. I know I was on it. You were saying <laughs> I was definitely on it, and I'm not musical <laughs> at not, all. We're not very musical, so that's probably why we just completely. And it is like like you said, it's a banging tune. Like it's the, mm-hmm. it's the music that gets you going. You know, um, the. Words are grand, but like it's the tune behind it. It's got a, As a this thick podcast beat. attests to every week. <laughs> yes. 
And yeah, we we wouldn't even have a theme song were it not for uh, the great Patrick Heaney. So if it wasn't for the great Patrick Heaney, the theme tune would be Bewitched. Which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either. Equally bang in tune. If it wasn't for the great Patrick Heaney, there's every chance the national anthem would be Bewitched. Well, in a way. If I'd like me dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in a way, is it not sort of our national anthem, a cultural national anthem? That should actually be, I mean, like a national motto, if I'd like me dad as well. (laughs) All right, well, if we don't keep talking, we won't get through any of these letters on the half hour podcast. Great stuff. So... Pat, are you, there's another letter there I see. You have a, a manila yeah, envelope. I have, I have uh, some correspondence here, and this one is from Russa. And Russa says, hey gang, on the back cover of your book, and they do mean specifically Derek's book, because I refuse to take any criticism for the book. <laughs> no, okay. it's my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so on the back cover of your book, you have um, Fal, meaning destiny, uh, where foul actually means hiccup or ring, etc. And you have foil, meaning hiccup, where foil actually means destiny and getting and finding. Um, however, the word destiny actually really doesn't relate to the word foil. Fina foil refers to the warriors of Inish foil, another name for Aidrin, where we live, of which there are many. Mm-hmm. He's spot on. There's so many poetic names for Ireland, like yeah. Fola, Banaba, um, even in Latin, Hibernia, there was so many, so many different words. Fina also means deers, but which came first? The deers are the warriors. Inish foil refers to the island of the Leah foil, and the Leah foil is the six foot or so coronation stone pillar of the High King of Ireland. The Leah would shriek upon the rightful king being presented to it. Upon coronation, I've heard it said that he would then have to mount a white horse in the carnal sense of the word. The only way that destiny comes into this story is that upon the shriek of the Leah foil, the rightful king would meet their destiny. Mm. And, you know, Russ is, Russ is spot on. And, you know, it's, it's, it is... To be honest, it's a, it's a mistake mixing up the fal and foil, the fadas. That's a typographical error. Yes. But I should point out that Russa does know his fadas. He did. He wrote a brilliant book um, called Our Fada, which was a collection of words that can mean something completely different if they do and don't mm. have a fada. Um, I quote one of them on a regular basis. A gihakaka is fine. That's <laughs> yeah. eating cake. But a gihakaka is something altogether more sinister and disgusting. Um this is interesting because, like, we say Fina Fáil means the, the warriors of destiny. Yes. But actually, it's the warriors of the island of the stone of destiny. It's just a compound. And I think mm-hmm. to use foil in its own with no context to mean destiny is probably a little bit of a misnomer. But that said, there is another interpretation of it to look at that it does mean the getting or the finding of something. And what you mm-hmm. get is invariably yeah. your destiny. And I think it, it, in terms of the misplaced the father on the typographical error, I think one of the reasons that was missed was in the process of making a book and if anyone at home has one day dreams of writing a book and if the dream comes true for them, just know that these things can happen at the very last minute before publication. You can find a little spelling error or something on the cover. We actually found a bigger spelling error that we corrected and that's probably why this one got missed. But hopefully then the paperback cover will be different. Anyway. that Actually, I'm going to interrupt you here. My... Um Master's thesis, I got it bound. It was the day that we recorded our first ever podcast episode, which was so bad on my behalf that it didn't make it to air. Yes. Um, oh, no. <laughs> 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 um, obviously, when you're, you know, getting to the end of printing your master's thesis, you don't sleep for about three months. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I full on got it bound and had it here in my bag in the studio and never copped it there on the front cover. I had a whopper of a uh, spelling mistake which destroyed my entire thesis argument because I missed out the letter Y. You still yeah. got a first. In the gold, in the gold. Like On gold your own embossed. name? No, no, God, no, not my own name. <laughs> That'd be so sweet if you changed it to Emer Duff. I was, I was writing about um, the only jealousy of Emer and instead I wrote the only jealous of Emer oh. and <laughs> I was like, oh. They used to call the Guardian the Groniad because of the spelling <laughs> yeah. errors in it. But having said that, obviously I don't want to make spelling errors and that, that particular one, I have a whole series of tweets with a head of a father can make all the difference and the idea is to find one word with a father, one word with it and show how they mean something different. In this case, I wanted to show how the word for hiccup and particularly when, in the context of Fianna Fáil, if you, when you drop the father, you have the soldiers of hiccup. 
And but yes, it certainly fall isn't the word for destiny as a go-to sense, but in the context of being paired with the other word, that's what I was using. But I absolutely am delighted actually that Rossa Osnodig, a man of his talents and learning, has taken the time to get in touch and give me some really good, helpful advice. And his book, Our Father, is I haven't read it yet myself, but I'm told it's wonderful. Yeah, and he says he's a huge fan of the book. He bought a couple of copies over Christmas, so he's uh, keep up the good work. Yay! Good stuff. Thanks for that, Rossa. Imer, do you have a you have a letter there on your letterbox? I can't help but notice. I have. Um, funny how we called it a, a mailbox episode. We should probably call it an M A L E box episode. <laughs> just, just, just saying. So I have a letter here from someone who I am going to call Brian. So-called Brian says in episode number three that we never mentioned the basics, as in the use of mock and knee. Do other languages use the son of, daughter of in their names? I had to Google to find out what ni meant, he put in parentheses. Uh, was there a suggestion of not using the mock or ni or was it just dropping the old ban construct? I was not 100% sure. Episode four could have done with a heads up what Brehan and Bunroth were. It took me a while to get the gist of what you were talking about. Um, I'm pretty sure in the description of the... Brehan mm. versus Bunroth we did outline yeah we, uh, yeah, we outlined what, 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 constitution what, versus you definitely put it in the show notes but yeah. I think I think yeah. like if you're listening to say a string of episodes all together on, a, mm-hmm. on something like I listen on Podcast Addict and it's kind of tough to access the show notes so sometimes it's I think um, <laughs> I don't though it's <laughs> podcaster ever <laughs> yeah. What I would say is, in those very early episodes, I was it was I was still trying to find a place to pitch what what level the audience yeah. was going to be at, and I knew that some people would have a very high level of Irish, and some people would have none at all. And, and we don't actually, what's the word? I usually say broadcast an episode. I usually dropped publish the, when we put the podcast Upload. on the internet for you all <laughs> to listen. Um, it's not actually in the order that we record them in either. Don't give away it's, the magic. Yeah, <laughs> Don't give away the magic. Two, like, For example, I was just about to say to Derek that, well, we do go into more detail, or we did go into more detail, just last week when Garodine <laughs> and I sat in with you for an, uh, for a wee while. You know, mm-hmm. if I were no. to say, like, yeah, just 20 minutes ago <laughs> in the previous recording, that would just ruin the magic for everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, you need to listen to more podcasts. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm doing just fine without them. <laughs> what I would say that is, yeah, in, in some of those early episodes, pitching the exact level of knowledge that the audience had, we hadn't reached that yet. I think we, maybe we've come to it since then. And certainly listening back, I think maybe I would have liked to have given a bit more context. And I think we and we will be dealing with those ep- those topics again in later episodes. Yeah, and I think that's the problem that we might, because particularly that episode the Brehan Bunrock, because it was yourself and myself, Emer, mm. and like you live Brehan, I live Bunrock. So yeah. it was re- it's really hard for us to, to, you know, we just assume that people mm. know. And, and I think it's that's, tough because you use it every day. Yeah, exactly. So you forget that, you know, it's not the basics for, for everybody. And mm. we, I suppose, will probably try in the future to, to make things a bit more clear for the mm. learner who hasn't really a clue what we're talking about and might need more and explanation. And then at the same time as well, like, you know, we get letters that are saying, you know, something very basic that they want clarified. But then you see some of the letters we get in. And it's painstaking detail into into mm. some of the mm. topics discussed. So you're you're dealing with such a a wide range of of knowledge on a, on yeah. a subject. It's tough to to kind of cater for everyone at the same time. And just on the subject of of um, Brian's letter, he talks about surnames. Mm. Do any other languages use that? That is one we can address right away. Yeah, loads of them, loads mm. of them. Like uh, even in English, Johnson, Jackson, Anderson, all of those. They're they're all names that use the, the son or dot Jemison, John Jemison, <laughs> and Ice. <laughs> Please, um, Thanks. And, and in fact, if you look at Icelandic culture, mm-hmm. um, they still use patronyms and matronyms, yeah. where you, there are no surnames in Iceland, which is fascinating that you carry your mother's name or your father's name depending on choice and your upbringing um, so instead of being like I'm Pather O'Quaivonig I'd be Pather Shason mm-hmm. um, you know and, and it's it's so interesting that sometimes when a couple in Iceland uh, go on a couple of dates and they decide maybe it's time to take it to the next step uh, something a lot of couples do is they take a DNA test <laughs> Because there's no way of knowing if you're related to someone because you just there's no surnames. But I was just thinking that today because the population of Iceland is really small. Yeah. You know, 
You wouldn't want one too many Jemisons in Iceland, I tell you that much. Yeah, (laughs) like when, because I know being from a very small village in in rural leash, you know, you're related to a lot of people. So you got to be careful at the teenage discos, lads. You know, you don't want to be verging on the... the Shifting your cousin. cousin. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say it more eloquently, but sure, that's the (laughs) essence of it. You don't want to be shifting your cousin. How do you know in Iceland, you know? Are you related to, you know, Jimmy Jackson or Mm. Mary... Fanula's daughter you know how would you know yeah. you get a DNA test Yeah, it's kind of a cool oh. third date if you're Icelandic yeah. you're probably all related not, because not the disco right when the na- in Icelandic national anthem is playing here <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that might just be a, an Irish thing I hate to break it to you Darren but that yeah. might not happen in other countries <laughs> they, like they did solve the problem a thousand years ago in the most unique way is they just used to go and go to Ireland and just take all the rides like just, yeah. just all the other ones all the good ones, all the yeah. good looking ones. On We'd the all boat, be gone. Yeah, back. all of us. The, the be best gone. looking podcast in Ireland was left behind. <laughs> <laughs> like how I don't know, but look here we are. Yeah. Look, we're just living in the wrong time. Yeah. yeah. Do we have another letter of notes? Is this one mine? Oh, is this actually? Yeah, check your bag there, Derek. Check your okay. mailbag. I, I see. The, I've got uh, a letter a, for you. It's an interesting letter. It has it has interesting letter heading. This is from Jeremy, and thank you very much for getting in touch, Jeremy. I have noticed that the majority, if not all, of your guests thus far have been from native-speaking or Gaelskill backgrounds. There's nothing wrong with this, of course, but I believe it is indicative of larger trends in society related to education. It is now well established that the best time for a person to learn a second, or even a third language, is as a bevy. Assuming the parents are fluent, and the use of language at home with a child every day, the child's fluency is almost guaranteed. If a child cannot learn Irish in the home from their parents, the next best option is a Gale school. However, this is a paltry second place compared to learning as an infant, to the point that many Gale schools are increasingly requesting that children enrolling in their schools are either given Irish at home or attend an Irish language play school as a prerequisite for entry. He goes on and he says, My father and people of his generation and older all attended Gale school by default but we know that the levels of fluency amongst this generation is not significantly higher than students today. One of the reasons for this is because if a child has not learned a second language by age six, the chance of them becoming fluent drop precipitously. Um, how do we feel about this particular point? Uh, well, I mean, I think the first thing that struck me is there's a huge difference between a native speaker and a Gael school background. I I went to a Gael school. I don't know if that means that I have a Gael school background. I don't quite know what a Gael school background is. Okay. I mean, I have a, a working class Dublin background. If mm-hmm. that is any contextual help at all, um, I, you know, it's 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 interesting. And I know that like the pressure on Gael school now is extreme. It's it's part of the, the really positive things that we spoke about. It, you know. Uh, on, on one of the episodes uh, last year as well, the, the, the demand on Grail School, it is a good sign, but yeah, the knock-on effect is that priority is, well, at least they're asking for the right to give priority to children being raised with Irish at home. Mm-hmm. And I think there's definitely two sides to that coin, you know? I think yeah. the, the opportunity cost is you end up, like I had no Irish in the home growing up, and that mm-hmm. is, the, it means that if that kind of rule were in place in 1987, when my parents were looking for a school to send me to, I wouldn't have the amazing love of Irish I have now and I wouldn't be doing all the stuff that I do and I, you know, through Irish and with the Irish language. And that, that would be a shame. But the flip side of that is I've got a very, very good friend of mine with two lovely daughters and he speaks Irish to them. Mm-hmm. Now imagine they're not able to go to a school where they can speak Irish. Yes. You go, what's the point? So I don't have a, a hard and fast answer to, to that sort of the, the Goyal School conundrum. But it, look, I, I mean, I do. Like, loads more Goyal School in it. Build them now, like everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, and and build them as you know independent schools, not reliant on the patronage of a church or an organisation or mm-hmm. anything like that. Just get them out there uh, and get people into them because it's bilingualism is great, kids. It's fantastic. It's fun. Although I never, I never went to a girls' school. I never mm-hmm. went to the girls' hook. Um, my my dad just about spoke Irish, but my mom doesn't. Um, so and it was you, never you, like there was conversations being held in Irish in my house it was never really spoken there'd be like you know the couple of fuckle thrown in around the mm-hmm. place like I'd say probably like most Irish homes at this point but um, yeah I, I did all of my exams and everything through mm-hmm. English Out so. of the regular contributors uh, Patter, Ola and Shuan all went to Gale School and myself Emer, Garajean 
and Claude, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, the letter writer had spoken about learning languages as a child and how it's, you know, your chance of learning languages deplete. But I know for myself, I didn't develop a fluency till I was a teenager. Um, and at Same. late teens at that, uh, I didn't start learning my, my second most fluent language till I was 21. Um, mm. You know, and learning a third language now, you know, I, well, I, I understand the point he was making that, um, you know, it's much easier to teach a, a child a language. I wouldn't cut off that you don't learn language later in life. Mm. Absolutely um, not, no. You know, I mean, it's obviously probably easier because you don't realise you're learning. You kind of learn through osmosis as a child. It's easy. But not everybody has that opportunity. I know mm. growing up in, in Leash, my parents never spoke Irish. Nobody around the place spoke Irish. Um, there was a Gaelic school, but it was far away. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to be going to that Gaelic school. There was no Gaelic school secondary school. And I don't necessarily think Gaelic school going to have any effect on anybody's ability to learn a language. There's a really good TED talk by um, Brendan McArdle um, on Creole in Gaelic school and how there's a kind of a plateau often in Gaelic school where you can mm-hmm. can make communication and once you le- reach that level of being able to make communication you kind of stop learning and then it's kind of on you to it's, learn the rest yeah it's the yeah. invention yeah. of Gaelic Scottish yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it's the Omoyia Slonsies that kind of thing which is <laughs> fine you know it's yeah. I mean they add, they add character I think to the language but um I wouldn't cut off learning learning Irish uh, or learning any language as a child. No, I mean, even your man, what's his name, Benny Lewis, he's Irish, isn't he? He wrote yep. that book, Fluent in Three Months, where he just can't stop learning a language. He was like, oh, I, I was never a language person in school. Mm-hmm. And now he speaks all these mad different languages. Yeah. And he picked them up when he was an adult. Like, well, I think it's, it's interesting, but I, I certainly in terms of... Uh, I, as the the show representing the various experiences people have with mm-hmm. Irish, we are going to continue introducing you to people who've learned Irish as adults, people yeah. who've been born in different countries, people from different cultural backgrounds in Ireland who have different particular relationships with Irish, people who've dabbled back in because they want their, to help their kids with their homework. We will be showing you the entire range of experience of how people's relationships with Irish and maybe hopefully that will give us an insight into Ireland itself. Yeah, the podcast is already a broad church. Like, it's, it's great, actually. <laughs> yeah. You enjoy being part of it. Yeah. Great stuff. So, Patter, you got another letter there? Yeah, I've got one here um, from Ricky. And Ricky writes in to say, Hi, I've only just heard about the podcast and have listened to the Christmas special. It was nice to hear Garadine take particular care on the Finnish pronunciation of Yolopuki. And that is laudable and commendable. How did I do, Caroline? Yeah, it's really good. It's about as good as my pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why then is the same attention not given to Irish phonology by all contributors to the programme who use Hiberno-English phonology in pronunciation of Irish words? Surely a central character to any language is its unique sounds. For example, nolig was pronounced by everyone as nolig, the genitive case, when the, as the spelling suggests, there is a palatalized G sound at the end. It's not a sound you'll find in English, but that shouldn't discourage it being used when an Irish word is being spoken. More generally, we have three beautiful main dialects to choose from, and even a mishmash of these would be preferable to the importation of English phonology onto the Irish language. This is not anti-Dublin Irish, since many Hiberno-English words in Dublin still use Irish phonemes. For example, the first consonant of the world, Dublin itself, still spoken with a working-class accent. There are even loads of Irish words remaining in Dublin Hiberno-English, but that is a different topic. In general, the guttural sounds found in Irish should be celebrated and not treated as if they're in some way dirty and needing to be sanitised by an English polish. I'm kind of taken aback by that one because I generally actually thought I was pronouncing nolig and nolig different on the show. There's a very subtle difference. He mm-hmm. is right. N-O-L-L-I-G on nolig uh, is on nolig. Hmm. But on nolig is different. Now I don't say nolig like um, some dialects would have it. I, I've got I learned Irish in Dublin. I do have a very strong Dublin accent in my Irish but I speak a, a form of Munster Irish so it's definitely more nolig than Nullig, uh, and then and then of course Daddy Nullug, yeah. uh, which doesn't have the eye. So um, Ricky, sorry about that. I thought I was getting it right. I thought everybody was getting it right. I kind of heard a lot of palatalized G's, but I suppose mm. on an audio medium, you you, you kind of lose a lot. But but I do want to talk about the three main dialects because like okay. Yeah, we sort of do in the Kaidan Ifigul, but like we used to have way more. There used to be Omeath Irish in Louth. There used to be uh, Dublin Irish and. 
the Dublin Irish that Ricky's referring to here is is my Irish, uh, the, mm-hmm. the the you know Irish with the imposition of a of a, a, a Dublin accent. But there was actually a conjunct or a dialect, and you can still see that in the place names around Dublin. Uh, the most obvious one, uh, which was uh, Mulnahack. Yeah. Mulnahack is a little place uh, situated on the Poddle, a tributary of the Liffey, and it translates as uh, Willen and Hacka, which is the um, the mill of Poo. Oh. And it's where all the sewage of Dublin used to flow out to. But the reason I find it so interesting is that in modern Irish, in all three dialects, it is it's got a ch, which is pronounced usually as a, ch, with the exception of um, Donegal Irish, where it's a ch sound. Mm-hmm. So it would be Mullen and Chaka in Munster Irish, Mullen and Chaka in Connemara Irish, and Mullenahaka yeah. in Donegal Irish, and in Dublin it was Mullenahak. Yes. Mullen a hack. So you can see that the, the remnants of the Dublin Irish that we used to have, there was a there was a dialect of Irish in Wexford. There was one in Waterford. There still is one in Waterford, I should say, if anybody's listening in from Ring, fair play to you. Mm-hmm. So the idea that I want to hear you know, I want to hear people sound exactly like somebody who's on the you know, on Radio on the Gothic from Kerry or from Connemara or from Donegal or whatever. Sorry, it's not going to happen when I'm here. <laughs> it's a living language. It's going to sound like the people who speak it. That's the thing. I think, as Sue had mentioned, when she was going to a girl school in Louth, she would have had teachers from different parts of Ireland and they would have each had the different kind. And it's just something, people who are living the language, experiencing it, talking to other Irish speakers, are going to pick up a word here and a word there and a pronunciation from the different things. Languages are, working languages are always mishmashes because languages are inherently practical. They take anything they can use. As a larger point, I do think in general that people are entitled to accents, accents especially express themselves during vowels. This is something that's happened a lot recently with people giving out about Saoirse Ronan's pronouncing her own name. It's her own name. (laughs) It's her own name. It's her own name. But even then, like even if you put like English into the same context, I mean, I'm from Killarney. There's so many different Killarney accents. And mm-hmm. there's so much like of a, a variation within accent in Kerry. Like I was at a wedding there recently um, down home and obviously a lot of people from Kerry were at this wedding and um, it's a case of like, oh, hi, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while. Um, and then you get someone that'll be like, um, oh, how are you all? You know, you so you get the, the you and the e, whatever else. Yeah. But then you get this wonderful amalgamation from certain areas, which seems to be a real, like, Clarny thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, you can pronounce Clarny, Clarny or Clarny. But um, they were like, oh, how are you all? Mm-hmm. You know, the Y just gets completely dropped. And it, like, it seems to only be a sort of a dialect issue that you would see in Kerry. Mm. I have a friend from Clarny, pronounced Clarna. He doesn't go. He doesn't, he doesn't, goes, doesn't yeah. give the full Y at the end. And have we been to Kalanda? Have we been to Kalanda? I think, as as Pader said, um, you know, it's it's probably different uh, from English because we don't have we don't call them like dialects in English. We call them accents. Um, yeah. You know, you've got a, an Australian accent or, or a South County Dublin accent or you know a, a Cork accent, whatever it is. Um, but in other languages and in Irish, we have dialects, and people are sometimes very uh, like very dialect uh, proud and they, they make mm-hmm. sure they want to make sure that you're pronouncing it in every dialect but but as the majority of people on the show I don't, do we have any native speakers on the show like people whose whose first language is, is Irish I don't know if anyone um, on the show as of yet has has been anyway we've all kind of learned it along the way and, and yeah. none of us are really from traditional Gaelic areas anyway so I have a mishmash of Irish. Um, I'm going to keep on pronouncing the way I'm pronouncing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would encourage anybody else because I think that's something that people are often afraid of when they're speaking Irish. And that's what people say most to me anyways. I'm so afraid of somebody correcting me. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with it. And we do appreciate the the correspondence. But um, I don't get upset about pronunciations and I don't even hear it. And I'm, I'm assuming that I'm you know, I would take this this uh, contributor at his word that I perha- perhaps have pronounced it incorrectly. And uh, while I would thank him for commending my Finnish pronunciation, I think mm. uh, there's a, a large population of Finland who would disagree wholeheartedly with him. But nevertheless... The, the Finnish um, canon tea. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Finnish canon tea. She sounds like a lap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, Helsinki he, 4. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. She's so H4. <laughs> um... Yeah, I think uh, 
my condiment is mishmash of everything. As the same for a lot of people here, like you mentioned, Shewan. Um, you know, we have we have different Irish. We've picked it up along the way. People and still know what we're saying at the end of the day. Exactly, it's yes. communicable. Then you know, I I'm okay with it. I appreciate that. It might grate on some people. I do apologize for that, but I'm going to keep on, keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Thank you to Ricky for getting in touch with us. Yeah, Amor, you have another letter. Oh, they just keep coming in. Um, so this one has an interesting stamp on it. This one does, and I'm not sure if this has been edited so that um, I can read it out by Dark, or if this person has uh, changed it themselves. In which case, I don't get the reference, and I'm sorry. But uh, and oh my god, if this is if this is real, and I'm outing someone, oops. No, no. Um, this is Ned Stark forever at Winterfell.org. Before we start, can anyone guess what this might be in reference to? <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I had absolutely no idea, but uh, here we go. Um, the, Ned Stark Forever uh, refers to episode 12 of our podcast. I have no idea what happens in episode 12 because I don't listen to podcasts. Uh, this will knock the man Patter off his stool. Podcasts. Oh, I love it. Let's <laughs> let's slate Patter here now for a minute. Mm. But, dot, 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 the suspense is killing me. Um, no swords named in Game of Thrones, my eye. Ned Stark's eye pattern. <laughs> Ned Stark's eye. Um, there are loads as http slash slash Game of Thrones dot wikia dot com slash wiki slash category swords will affirm. As a huge fan, the best in context of the show slash characters are Needle, Longclaw and Willow's Whale. But, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Ned Stark forever is now throwing accusations at poor old yeah, Padder. The lad has plainly not watched the show at all. <sighs> or read the books. Look, you've been how do you, to- you how were do you told know by me on the episode. You, how do you know when someone's read uh, Game of Thrones? They'll, They'll you know, fucking tell you. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, do you know what? I think that uh, this evening now, when you go home, okay. you should log on to Game of Thrones. Don't read the, don't read the address <laughs> again. Don't do it again. We don't have all night. Yeah. I um, I have to hold my hands up to Ned. Neddy. Ned. 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 Neddington, as I like to call him. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know if you know how podcasts are made, but in this context, the particular magic that we brew is done by Dara either scribbling something onto a piece of paper or showing me a funny tweet that he sent months ago and expecting me to segue flawlessly, uh, which I normally do. But yes, I remember exactly what you're talking about. And of course, I remember it because when I walked out of the studio, I was like, what the hell was I saying? Of course, there are swords named in Game of Thrones. There's mm. Needle and there's Widow's Whale and there's and all Longclaw. sorts. And Longclaw. How could I forget Longclaw? How could you forget? So listen, my apologies. Um, I just I just got that one wrong. They are very, very good at naming swords. Those are called Kennings, where you have a nickname for an item. Uh, something that doesn't last too much into the modern day, with the exception of cars. Because <laughs> everyone names their car. Everyone names their car. I can't drive. <laughs> Can I don't I? listen to podcasts. I can't drive. <laughs> this is like the worst Tinder profile ever. Oh my God. If I had a Tinder profile, that would definitely be my bio. <laughs> Update my Twitter bio as we speak. Can I also point out as well that after that particular uh, episode went live, I mean, I was tagged a bunch of times. I'm sure you were as well. Like, people were really upset with you, Pather. And you were told not more than 15 times that there is. So people were, we do apologise. Well, I mean, I didn't make this. I think we would like to apologise to the entire Game of Thrones community <laughs> for having. Um... Oh my God, get a life. Sorry, <laughs> oh, I'm going to no. be the one that says it, but like, that there is, are real problems that in the voice world. you hear, Throners. <laughs> Is that was me. Emer, that was Emer. Took forever. <laughs> yeah, you can all meet me online, and I'll take each and every one of you. My wife's hometown is currently having an economic boom based on Game of Thrones related tourism. Anywhere we go now, and we're up north and showing Lasserina her ancestral homeland, it's like there was a scene shot here on Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, this is the bit where Bronn called someone a prick. <laughs> Anywho. We have another letter. Yes, I have another letter here. Um, addressed, stamped and addressed to us. Thank you very much for your post. Uh, postmen have been busy to the head stuff studios. Uh, this one is from uh, Michael. 
And Michael has uh, made a few suggestions for us, so we appreciate that. Um, and he said, I've been catching up on your podcasts in the last few weeks while running, um, listening to the episodes via playlist. Lovely to hear. Mm-hmm. Great, to hear. Great to hear that we're useful for when you're running. I've caught the last two episodes the weekend that came out, so nice to be current. Anyway, I'm enjoying your show and enjoying learning a lot of stuff like uh, the Papa Quail Talked on Thainbot and the Arvon, which was, uh, we had uh, Neil in who was fascinating talked about on Thonbot he said I've never heard of Radion Lalitha before I wonder is it nationwide or just inside the big smoke I'll investigate so uh, Michael goes on to say I have some feedback which would help my learning of Irish from the show in each episode description you could include so these are some of the suggestions all Irish words mentioned you don't need to include the translation but for me trying to learn being mm-hmm. able to look back on the list of words mentioned would really help so that's a really good advice that's I think a really a, good yeah. idea mm-hmm. I think it's really good idea I'm going to check that up he says uh, all language constructs mentioned this particularly noted um, to when Pather is on the show <laughs> Pather is on the show yet again <laughs> oh go on I um, am sorry for this <laughs> I am really really sorry pal about this because I just go off on one and I realise that other people may not know what the perfect is or the <laughs> past present indicator or Mm -hmm. so on and so forth so yeah I'm awful sorry about that I will try and be conscious of that and try and explain grammatical terms a little bit better when I'm using them Um, yeah like I have a master's degree well I have a bachelor's degree in in a language and I have a master's degree in in early Irish and even then as you were naming out verb tenses I was like oh god what was that (laughs) you just nod and smile every time we understand Mm -hmm. Um, so Michael also says list the websites mentioned um, for example in episode 2 the various various dictionary sites um, which is uh, yeah so that's some great advice I think we could take that on board in reference so. to Radio Nalifa, um, Pather, you're probably the, the, the sage yeah, on this yeah, one. Yeah, seeing as I still have a show with them. And, uh, What's your um, show called, Pather? It's called Shkel Nishachtan and it's every Thursday at 7 o'clock. Thanks, I love how you said you still have a show as if they <laughs> might have reason to kick you off, but why you're clinging they? on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, half the people who wrote in here want me booted off the podcast, <laughs> so why wouldn't people want me booted off Radio Nalifa? Radio Nalifa is available in Dublin on 106.4 FM and nationwide on radionalifa.ie or in fact around the world on radionalifa.ie and on a brilliant app that I have on my phone. It's available for Android and iOS called On Shine Tour Radio or the Radio Player and you can get all Irish language radio stations on that. It's very, very handy. We'll probably tweet links to all these, will and we? We certainly yeah, will. And can't you also get on SoundCloud? Yeah, we podcast a lot of our episodes. Um, I know that up until recently I've been doing a, a documentary on creating an Irish language community outside of the Gaeltacht and I visited a load of brilliant places all around the country uh, and we're podcasting that as well. So we podcast the highlights of the week and a lot of our episodes uh, and you can get it on Radio Nalifa SoundCloud, yeah. In reference to, um, he mentioned that there were some um, dictionary websites he was looking for the links to? Yes, I can give a great one. <laughs> Terma.ie is fantastic. Formerly Fuckle.ie, but now Terma.ie. And they do some other good sites uh, such as um, LookAnim.ie, Anim.ie, Dúchish.ie. And I think that, I believe there's another one which I can't think of right well, now. the mammy and daddy of them all is Changlin.ie. Yeah. That's T-E-A-N-G-L-A-N-N.ie. In addition to combining the two of the major dictionaries, the yeah. Devaldraha Dictionary and O'Donnell Dictionary, it also includes a grammatical wizard assistant. Oh, that and, is so cool. And so that means if you want to work out oh, what happens if you've got uh, a cot, which is cot in Irish, and if it's big, it's more. How does it work on cot more? How many have I got? I've got several big cats. How many? Do, how do I do it? It'll work that grammar out for you. I every, actually didn't know that until right now. That's yeah, really cool. yeah, oh, it's every yeah. single. Every single leaving certain junior student in the country, if you have a mobile phone, and I know you all have it, <laughs> you need to bookmark this. It's fantastic. And they have a, they have an offline app too for if you've got no cellular yeah. in school. And if you're that little bit more advanced, uh, you want to improve on your Irish, as well as all that, it includes the folklore Bjog, which is the most widely known Irish language thesaurus. So if you know what a madra is, you might be looking for an alternative for when you're writing your short fiction or whatever you might be doing or your poetry in Irish. And you might want to know that you could say, you could say Mada or Gire instead. You know, so great, great website. Changlin.ie is one of my favorites. Changlin.ie. And in addition to all those amazing features, it has a yet another feature, which is pronunciation in the three counting teeth. <laughs> oh, there we go. So if you want to say cat, cat, or cat. Cat. Maybe helpful yes. for some of us. Some people would really, really enjoy that. And then, Well, actually, when we were recording the letter A episode, it took me about five takes to say the difference between cat and cat. <laughs> <laughs> it, it genuinely did. I just wasn't thinking and it kept getting confused. So there we go. In addition to Tangle.e, there's also Folklore.e, which is an English to Irish dictionary. Yeah which is great, and it has lots of helpful example sentences and pronunciation for many words. Folklore.ie. 
F-O-C-L-O-I-O-R dot I-E. Or just take the mother off the name of the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Easy enough to work out. So hopefully that's some some help. Thank you very much, Michael, for your correspondence. We have one more letter, do we? Yeah, we got one here. Uh, This one's from Bill. And Bill writes in uh, to say, hey, gang. I want to... Hey, Hi. Uh, I want to take up one phrase that comes up from time to time, which haunts the discussion of the Irish language at every turn, like a puka hiding in the shadows, which is, it's the way it's taught. Please don't shut down my letter or burn my letter at this point, but hear me out. Unfortunately, the way it's taught is used by both Irish speakers and non-speakers as a means of shutting down discourse between the two groups, and that's a totally unhelpful situation. Firstly... We know, of course, that education is always changing. In the past, there was no consideration for children with different learning processes or capabilities. Just a century ago, Dr. Maria Montessori revolutionised the education system with the introduction of her child-centred approach to teaching. This was an astonishing development to the people of the time, but today we would not even countenance describing such children as idiots, as we understand that a variety of approaches is required within the classroom. Montessori managed to bring a large number of children back into the education system who otherwise would have been doomed to live out their lives within an institution or carrying out the most menial tasks of society. But many challenges remained, of course. The most obvious example are those children whose dyslexia, dyscalculia, dyspraxia and ADHD variants, which for decades went undiagnosed and still continues to be undiagnosed in many cases today. Garrodine's example of reading through a tinted acetate is a simple and effective example of what is now on offer for people with dyslexia, but this is a relatively recent development. Arnold Wilkinson's text, Reading Through Colour, was only published in 2003, too late to benefit the teachers or parents of anyone in our generation who had finished secondary school by then. Wilkins found that up to 20% of the population of the UK schools where he conducted his research suffered in varying degrees from visual distortions or discomfort associated with reading. I found Garradine's experience particularly interesting as she reverse-engineered the linguistic process in an effort to read Irish better. Had she not thought of this herself, would there have been anyone around her that could have offered this option? It's interesting. It is. It's. It's. It's interesting. It's fascinating. And of course, like there are people around here who know all too well what it's like to either you know have some kind of impediment to learning mm-hmm. or to be involved in in you know raising a child who's got a special needs. And look, the way it's taught, I know we've thrown it around as a joke, but I think what we all universally mean is that the way it's taught is a trope that people use to speak about Irish and only Irish, and I think that's the big problem. Uh, whereas what uh, Bill's email refers to is like a general approach to education, and it is mm-hmm. it is interesting. And I think, you know, the world could be a bit more like Bill in that, like, stop treating Irish like some sacred cow that's out there that has to be different and has to be looked at in a different way. And, you know, oh, Irish is taught badly, but, like, for some reason we have the lowest uptake in STEM subjects in Europe in some cases. Mm-hmm. We have the third worst rates of foreign language fluency in Europe. Um, like we're really, really bad at some really important parts of education. And it's not just PEG and it's not just learning off essays uh, mm-hmm. about Mike Danny Noche for the Leaving Cert or on Trail. We really need to have a good conversation about how all subjects in Ireland are taught. And I think that's what, what Bill is getting at there and some of it's really, really fascinating. And I think I'd like to point out as well, and, and I know I would appreciate Bill's uh, commending my my dyslexia episode that everybody was very kind to let me do. Um, I, I definitely don't want it to be seen that I reverse engineered anything. This was uh, not something that I decided I was sat down one day and was going to do. It was just Irish appeal to my brain um, in the way that another language, like I mentioned on that particular episode, um, like Finnish may have appealed to my brain if it had been presented to me, but it wasn't. I got Irish and I liked Irish um, because it appealed to me. Um, And with the acetates, that wasn't something that I I discovered until much later in life. So uh, the way it's taught um, for me, it was, you know, it was the way it was taught to everybody else. You know, it was nothing, uh, there was nothing Mm. particularly unique about the way I decided that I was going to teach myself. Um, 
and I don't want it to be seen that way that other people with dyslexia don't don't figure that out. That's not the way it is at all. Mm. Um, and but yeah, like Pada said, I think why we use it as a joke often and why it annoys us so much is because it's often a way to shut down people talking about Irish. Yes, they say things like, "Oh, it's just the way it's taught." End of discussion. And I feel like we're probably um, feed into that as well because once we hear that, we don't want to talk to it about it anymore. It's just, oh God, there's another person mm. who thinks it's just the way it's taught, you know, because we have such different experiences with that. But um, I totally agree with Bill that, you know, it is something that, you know, both sides are using probably negatively and maybe we do need to engage better. Of course, there's a problem with our education system and it's not Mm -hmm. just Irish. Irish is just probably the purest example we have because it's a language and can you communicate in it? Yes, no. You know, it's probably the most obvious Mm. problem we have. As a a very good friend of mine puts it, like Irish is just the canary in the coal mine. Mm -hmm. When the canary dies, it's not a problem with the canary. It's a problem with the whole atmosphere that it's in and we need to examine that. And there's, I guess there's so many other kind of societal issues in terms of them, the way Ireland is actually spread out as a country in terms of the, how schools are scattered yeah. around, how suddenly schools get incredible pupil-teach ratios just as kids no longer live in the area. There's so many other issues. There's issues with um, STEM and the relationship with militaries and, and society in other countries that they have great um, science spending because they have armies making, they have bomb factories, which mm-hmm. we don't have. The further you go into this, the more you'll find out. I'm just taking notes. Sorry, bomb factories in <laughs> Connemara. Gotcha. <laughs> Stimulate industry. Got it. Um, I think it was a really good episode that um, was Naomi O'Leary did um, mm. and she mentioned about um, Irish mentalities and how they differ from say British mentalities and we yeah. kind of see ourselves as like a um, a country that doesn't do well we're kind of like a the, the yeah. same way that Italians saw themselves and kind of a joke almost yeah. and I think that might feed into the way we see Irish or the way the society at large sees Irish as an oh it's a really hard language and Irish is the way it's taught you know and there's a really mm. good hashtag going around Twitter um, currently it's called Neil uh, Shikhar and it kind of exposes some of the kind of the silly things that that are said to Irish speakers including oh you know it's the way it's taught and the things that we we hear all the time and I think it does feed into our our collective psyche as a as a as a nation how we see ourselves and how we see our our, our nationality and our, our language mm-hmm. It's an awful lot of attitude that just needs to that just needs to be changed. I mean, a lot of people have um like let's say written to me even just there over the weekend one girl wrote to me she's like, "Oh, I don't know." Um, if I'm going to understand some of what's going on, almost as if she was like afraid of this. And like, I know one lad, he wrote to me and um, he was like, I'm not comfortable using Irish on certain platforms online because let's like he doesn't like some of the reactions mm-hmm. that it can get. So I feel like there's sort of a stigma almost attached to the language unnecessarily um, mm-hmm. that just it like and as soon as that changes we're, we're good to go again like you know yeah, I think I, I think so and I hope so and I, I like to think that hopefully we're contributing to that right here yeah look it's getting better it's just getting better I've been I've been using Irish online and in real life IRL <laughs> SFS Severe <laughs> Sale um, for a long time now mm. and look attitudes are definitely there's been a sea change in it uh, and you know books like Mother Folklore podcasts like this it's they're both helping the movement and they're a product of the movement as well that people mm. are far more comfortable in their attitudes towards Irish and I think you know, look, it'll get there. It's it's a long, long way to go. But um, yeah, that hashtag from just a wee while ago, but Nisha Kierkegaard, it's fantastic. It all started when Newstalk held yet another awful debate on is Irish dead or dying? Mm. And people just reacted to it. They just got, you know what, I'm actually sick of this because it's, it's not okay mm. anymore. And, you know, that's another sign that people just said, you know what, if we just changed Irish to any other language, all of these tired old tropes would sound so silly. And they do. Look, it's getting better. I'm really hopeful. And I think, Derek, what, what you've done with the book, the podcast, is it's brilliant. It's it's, it's really, really, it's moving the debate into a whole new sphere. And I love it. It's evil. Michiel, who, Derek? One of the reasons... I feel really uncomfortable sitting between the two of you now. One of the reasons in the book I, I drew a comparison between Peg Sayers and Alanis Morissette was I wanted to show how long ago it's been since... Jagged since, Little Pill was released. Yeah, since Jagged Little Pill was released <laughs> and since Peg was actually on the on the curriculum because a lot of the contributors were born after uh, Peg came off the curriculum and yet yeah. it's still, you still see a picture of Peg Sayers in these articles about the Irish language. Am I the youngest contributor? 
it's uh, it's, Cloda a, it's a Cloda, yes. I think yeah. Cloda or Ola's, Ola is Ola's just 21. turned 21. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, because yeah, there's a year between us, so yeah, okay, yeah, but Still. yeah, I, I'm I've never read Peg, and Peg's my hero. <laughs> no, no kidding, <laughs> she is though. Um, but yeah, it's it's not something, but I I know mm. the connotations of Peg, and we do. I People, mean, we who read Peg as adults who come to it who've, who've chosen to study Irish voluntarily love it. Yeah. They love those descriptions. It's not a bad book. Those like, it's really not a bad book. Mm. It's like, it's like you know, okay, so people do actually talk about other subjects in school on occasion mm. and they say how <laughs> terrible Shakespeare is and how it's beaten down our necks and all that. I was just Shakespeare as an example, yeah. Shakespeare is amazing. Yeah. Have you ever read Midsummer Night's Dream? It's the funniest thing ever. It's unbelievable. When you see Midsummer Night's Dream performed properly by yeah. good actors with a good director, it is you will be in kinks laughing. You'll fall out of your seat. It's the best thing. It's unbelievable. And some of what Shakespeare wrote was beautiful. It was fantastic. But like, yeah, okay, if you force anything down anyone's neck, they won't like it. Just lay off the peg thing. She hasn't been on the curriculum in about 30 years. Like, Yeah, because we were had a teacher in school who was, um, who was telling us when she was doing French in school back in presumably the 60s, Maupassant. Everyone had to read Maupassant. And Maupassant is French Maupassant is very entertaining. Tinder bio is getting better and better. <laughs> <laughs> Just gets longer and longer. <laughs> Guy de Maupassant is very entertaining if you actually have an interest and you choose voluntarily or so. But certainly, I think possibly maybe French students are shortchanged now by getting no literature at all. Mm. Anyway, that's an entirely separate <laughs> discussion, as Bill would say. <laughs> you cut me off just at the right moment. <laughs> Christopher, do we have any, one last? Don't think so. Do we have one? I'm going to dig in the bottom of the mailbag and see. We have one last piece. Um, this, okay. okay the, the name is scrolled out. Is These are all rides. Will there be a live show? <laughs> um, hopefully that sometime soon. That sounds like soon. it's from me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> well... Hopefully sometime it is Blaine Aurelia and we would love actually to reach out to some of you. So obviously where is this going to be? Will it be in Dublin? Will it be in Limerick? Will it be in Belfast? Clarny. Galway? Clarny? Clarna. Yeah. Well, do get in touch if you'd like Motherfucker to visit your town. We're very reasonably priced. <laughs> oh, your sitting room. <laughs> I was just yes, going to say, we'll, we'll take over your sitting room. I'm happy to come to your house and talk yeah. to Wear yeah. the ear off you yeah. talking about the Shiva and yeah. the Aru. Yeah, I'm, it's no problem. I, Put I'll the kettle on. I'll pay We're you to let me do that. We're on the way, yeah. <laughs> just send us your address. <laughs> I want to thank everyone who got in touch today. And if you would like to send some feedback, comments, or praise to the show, you can email us at motherfucklore at headstuff.org. Or tweet us because we're cool. Tweet us because we're cool. You can tweet me at the Irish Four. You can tweet me at Tuckwork Emer, which is T O C H M A R C E I M E A R. Please don't tweet me. <laughs> now you can tweet me at, at the Cav Official. Um, of course, you can tweet the podcast at, at Mother Folklore. Yes, you can indeed. We, we all follow that. Like you know, that's all we do with our time. We just stroll yeah. through the tweets. And I am at Garrodine. Garrodine. Excellent. Straightforward. So until the next time, it's a slon from me. It's a slon from me. Slon Lemsha. And a slonio from me. See you next time. Hi guys, it's Emer here from today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate or review this episode wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear back from you. Mother Folklore comes out every Friday with the Headstuff Podcast Network. Thanks to Brian for producing this episode and Kirsten, as always, for the deadly artwork that she does for us. Please do not hesitate, like I said, to um, rate and review, but also contact us. We're a friendly bunch. You can get us on at the Irish Four or at Mother Folklore. We also, we drop our Twitter handles in there like there's no tomorrow throughout our podcast. So uh, please track us down. Uh, don't find where we live. That's weird. Um, but also drop us an email, motherfucklore at headstuff.org if you can't really stick to the, the 200 and what is it, 280 characters now on Twitter. And um, until next time, we'll see you, we'll see you in the next episode for um, another, another fun time with the Motherfucklore Bunch. We'll see you then. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Go away. Yeah. What frequency medium do you have it at? Hey, hey, well, let's save this for Sorry. that. Okay. <laughs> All right, this is the okay, worst conversation on. I've ever had to listen to. <laughs>
But I, I love how we're just like sitting here chatting, but you're still like talking into the microphone <laughs> as if we're recording this. <laughs>